0: I'm Christian Chinchilla. Welcome to my podcast, an enthusiastic ramble through whatever has taken my interest the past week or so. Expect technology, games, history, travel, geekery, and as always, much, much more. On this Chinchilla Squeaks, I am joined again, a repeat visitor by Patrick McFadden from Datastacks. I think last time we spoke about
1: Cassandra. Probably Cassandra. Yeah, that's (laughs) what I talk about a lot. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. but not this time. And this actually intrigues me. This time we're here to actually talk about Apache Pulsar. Um, Let's dig into a little bit of what that is. And then maybe after that, why Datastacks? talking about that at all right (laughs) um so what what is Apache Pulsar it's not one I've heard of before so you bring me up to speed what is it
1: yeah so Pulsar is uh it's a streaming system but it fits into the world into a world you probably understand already which is um this this type of projects that are about moving data from point a to point b and sometimes doing something with that data in flight um We've been doing this since uh, ActiveMQ or MQ series in IBM mainframes. Uh, Then we had RabbitMQ, Kafka. These are all examples of things, uh, TIBCO. There's just a lot of different products that do this. So Pulsar is the next generation of that that is better suited for the more cloud native workloads and how those get deployed. So
0: there are definitely some well-established Apache even projects in this space. What's, what's wrong with those? Why can't we just use those in a, in a cloud native environment?
1: Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Cause I have to deal with this in Cassandra world too. Um, <laughs> it's being cloud native is, is a, you know, what we're trying to accomplish with cloud native is first of all, building these, everything as a service, but to do that, there are three things that we're trying to manage always, which is our compute, our network, and our storage. You know, those, when you rent those from the cloud, that, that's what you run up your costs on. So, you know, speaking about infrastructure like we are right now, you want to use something that will use those resources in an efficient way. And um, one of the things, you know, I was, uh, I've done a lot of content on Kafka um, and RabbitMQ a long time ago. These, you know, these are all perfectly good for what they do. But I ran into trouble with Kafka um, probably 2015, 2016, around just the way that it was built. It was built before we were doing a lot of things with Kubernetes um, and, and cloudy kind of ways where we're just kind of trying to build services. And one of the main issues that it had was that it... It was built, it was great for if you ran one of them or two of them, but what happens if you want to run a thousand of them? And it's so typical that everything that we do in the world is about scale, (laughs) because it is, (laughs) Um, you know, look at Wordle, a stupid little game to pick five letters, and it turned into like the biggest thing on the internet overnight, and that's the world we live in, right? (laughs) So, you know... Why do we need a new one? I think it's more that we need the, the, the right generation with the like previous thinking. Um, one other analogy I'll add before we uh, to kind of finish this off is um, I look at what Pulsar is doing is like what spark did for analytics after Hadoop. So Kafka being Hadoop, spark, uh, and then spark took over Hadoop. Now Pulsar is like that next generation learning lessons from the past moving forward.
0: And I wouldn't mind going back a quick step just for anyone who has not had to get into this world before. Um, So just reading directly from the first line of the Pulsar overview, high performance solution for server to server messaging. Um, Just, just let's very quickly describe like what is that and why would I want to do that? What's the need there for server messaging and what sorts of messages?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about data, right? And, So everything, everything, yeah. (laughs) If you can convert it to ones and zeros, there you go. Um, (laughs) But it's let's you know let's try to get a little more succinct here. Which is when you have this, when you have messages that need to get passed from one place to another, um, very rarely are those optional. You you can't say that um, this piece of financial data is well, if I get it or not, I don't care. No one says that. it's unless you're using iot which is a different problem (laughs) but um when you're moving data from one place to the other you need to put some guarantees around it and those guarantees need it may also be coupled with the fact that you have multiple consumers of that data and that starts complicating this problem so i'm not just moving it from point a to point b i'm moving it from point a to b c d and e and These problems are very common in distributed computing, this one-to-many fan-out, or the reliable, meaning I need to know that I'm delivering this message one time and only one time, or that if it's delivered, I want a receipt. You know, this is why we send certified mail, for instance, is I need a receipt that that got delivered. So it's putting these guarantees and these extra features around just delivering from point A to point B. Just
0: to dig in that tiny bit more, is this things like um, I'm Alive messages, is there a service there, or is it also uh, supplanting or enhancing gRPC and REST calls and things like that, or is it these are all, it's more the kind of meta communications between services?
1: It, it's. It can be actual things like uh, specific use cases, for instance, you know, I use this a lot of like for an IOT, it could be a temperature from a sensor that comes in through, you know, the system like that in financial services, it could be a stock trade, you know, a particular trade that needs to be reliable and um, messaging systems have been very important to financial trading systems because um, as the trade is made then that makes us reliable and auditable movement through the system.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and the speed is definitely important there. I actually met some people uh, here who worked on financial systems in the past. And, you know, this... These are the companies that go and lay their own backbone just to save milliseconds. You know, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. You see the
1: like fiber runs that they, they're trying to cut through mountains so they can shave two milliseconds off. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's high frequency trading, which is a different kind of crazy.
0: (laughs) And this is, and this is where I think one of the, one of the bits I sort of uh, left out of that description was the high performance. So um High performance, specifically in the cloud native space, I guess. Um, so, how how old is Pulsar? It says it originally comes from Yahoo, which is obviously a company that still exists, but not a company people think about so much anymore. Um, is is yeah. Pulsar a few years old, and they've just it's just sort of found itself into the open source world, or have I just missed it? Like, what's the history?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean we I mean, pour one out for poor Yahoo. Um <laughs> you know, they Japan. were they were the <laughs> Which, by the way, fun fact, it's not actually Yahoo. It, they just licensed the name oh, from okay. Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry um, Yahoo. I actually, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I work with the Yahoo Japan team quite a bit. And they're very clear. Okay. We're Yahoo Japan. It's right, a separate okay. brand. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I was, I was trying um, to
0: uh, bring back. Anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll stop Yahoo bashing. And let's, get, let's get back
1: to post. <laughs> uh but yeah you're right it that doesn't mean it goes back and it does um and it doesn't mean that yahoo has disappeared as a company they're just a part of you know they're they're still doing things on a daily basis and um they're still doing things at scale they're still a huge have a huge footprint but uh you're right um my first uh my first uh well i started learning more about pulsar from some of the founders of the pulsar project in 2018 uh, and then I started working with um, a company called Streamlio, which was formed by those engineers from Yahoo and Twitter. So there's this classic startup thing or project thing where engineers solving a problem at big company X started solving it, and then quit their day job to go start another company to put all their energy behind it. And that's that's what happened. Um, So I think it actually started in around 2015, 2016 as as an internal project. Yeah. Well, we, you know, as as a database company, we know that for our customers, for anyone that's working with data, they need a a portfolio of things to work with that data. And um, I was like I said, in 2018, I was very excited about Pulsar because I felt like this is, this is the next generation and it's doing the things that we need to do at the scale we need to do it. And our interest is in, um, giving our customers the right kind of tools to do the data jobs that they need to do. You know, that data stack is for real because, um, when very rarely do I just need to put data in a database and get it out. That's not my only use case. And, uh, Pulsar plus Cassandra, if you look at the use cases around that, is very compelling because, for instance, now what we've built in this is that we've we've created these nice integrations, these nice mashups that are useful. And if you insert data into a Cassandra database, it will emit that, once it commits it, it will emit that into a Pulsar topic. So now it can be it can be sent downstream and integrated into other things, like maybe you want to put it into Snowflake, or you want to do a push into your microservices, whatever. It's, it's this event, this event-based activity around the database activity. And that turns out to be a very common use case that people want or need, and the fact that they don't have to do it themselves is even better.
0: And I can see you've built uh, a couple of services on top of it, um, Astra Streaming and Luna Streaming. I'm Sort of intrigued by your product naming. You have this sort of like slight space theme, but then I'm not quite sure where Cassandra fits into it. But we'll <laughs> but anyway. Um, what? So we have Astra, Astra, yeah, Astra and Luna. Astra is multi-cloud streaming as a service. Uh, Luna is subscription to success, which I'm not entirely sure what that means. So let's come back to that in a second. I'm guessing Astra is the most obvious start point. It's a commercialized version of Pulsar. What what are you adding on top of it with Astra?
1: Well, and and just to clarify, yeah, Astra is our as a service for the, the cool projects that you probably want to use. So... Cassandra, the Astra database is, Cassandra's a service, um, you know, and it, it takes away all the operations. You go click and it's serverless. So you just use for, you, know, you only pay for what you use. Um, and with Astra streaming, which is the companion to the database, um, it's same thing. It, you just click a button and you just pay for what you use and we create the integrations. So, um, you know, our our intent is to create these cloud native services so that in, when you're building out something in Amazon or in Google or in Azure, that you can just use an endpoint, pay for what you need. Um, it's integrated with cloud billing, all of that, so that it's just easy. I mean, because let's face it, no one wants hard infrastructure anymore. Uh, it, we The only thing that's important anymore is how fast you can get your app into production. And that does not include a build out on your data center of 90 days. You can't do that anymore. So that's what we're doing. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. And what? what, what, so what is this? Uh, so Luna um, building on top of Cassandra and then Luna streaming subscription to success. I think I get a vague idea of what this means because there's this concepts of subscribing to a, a topic from kafka uh, i'm not sure if it's
1: it's not related, related to that, that actually or... and it's funny okay. you should mention that because I, now we've got a problem with our product marketing um <laughs> okay. we're gonna have to fix that <laughs> <laughs> i'm not necessarily the best person to be asking you, but just... well yeah and you know with astra streaming being as a service and i should also mention that it's not just uh it's not just pulsar it we also do Kafka and GMS and AMqp so we all of anything streaming in there the Luna our Luna business is it's really it's I'm particularly proud of that because it, it embraces our open source roots so because we're an open source company um, yes we do an enterprise product yes we do us as a service but what Luna is 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 the services around if a company wants to use open source. So I'll give you an example. We talked to a lot of organizations that are like, look, we love open source. We just want to use the downloaded thing we got from the Apache website, but we would like to pay for support and services. That's what Luna is for. And we do a lot of deals sometimes where we, we combine these things like, hey, we will buy some credits, Astro credits, but we also have a lot of our own installed stuff. Can you support that? So we don't want we don't want to be able to say, if, if someone says, here's our preference, we don't want to have a way a, a way we can say, well, I'm sorry, that's not how we operate. We should be able to be okay with everything. And that being said, if someone says, look, we love Pulsar and we're happy running it ourselves and we'll just see you in the community, we're also totally cool with that. I mean, that we we are very involved in the Pulsar community um, and we're just happy that people are using it and we'd be happy to see them on the mailing lists or wherever. They don't. We don't need to sell them a product for us to be happy about that. So it fits our kind of profile of being an open source company.
0: Yeah, and and has data stacks yeah. kind of largely taken over um, the steering of Pulsar? Or
1: no, it's a very active project with multiple companies involved. I'm very happy to see that. And that it's a you know from an Apache project, the a sign of health is multiple interests all driving and. Uh, and I'm happy to say that Pulsar has definitely got that. Um, just as like the Cassandra project now has so many different large companies m- moving the the product forward. It's because there's so, many, there's so many itches that need to be scratched, you know? And when you have these engineers, like groups of engineers at each one of these companies driving it, it just makes it for an overall better product.
0: I wouldn't mind um, digging a little bit more into... This this whole subscription concept actually. What sort of applications generally um, would find that useful? Like,
1: yeah. um, you mean in the case of the yeah. Luna? Are you talking about, or are you talking about, um, the, or are you talking I, about
0: Astra? Sort of across, across? Well, I guess it's a little bit across the board in this space. So Pulsar, Kafka, Luna, oh. Astra, they, You know, they all follow this similar concept. But what? Like, when would I, as an application developer, reach out for that to, to fill a, a problem or a need?
1: Yeah, it, it, it turns out it comes up quite often, especially when it comes to uh, reliable movement of data. And when that becomes a problem, mm. it, you'll get stuck in this case where if it's not something that fits into a database immediately. So event streaming is a great example. Um, lots of events are happening, and I have a lot of needs for those events to get used. You may have an event that comes in to your application that you just need to pass to yet another piece of code, not a database or not dumped into an S3 bucket or something. It, it's it's this the concept with well, it's a concept of not needing your data to sit for a while. I needed to keep moving, and. Um, You can see it in modern applications. Mobile applications rely on movement of data. Um, Very important part of application building right now.
0: Yeah. And I actually just came across uh, this. I don't know if this is somewhat unique to Pulsar. It's not unique as a concept, but unique to a a particular component like Pulsar. This Pulsar functions sounds kind of fascinating, a serverless computing framework that runs on top of Pulsar. So, with this, is this like a way to manipulate the data, or the let's let's call it the messages? Yeah, that's what they say as well. The messages at source before sending them elsewhere, or is it is it uh, manipulating them as they arrive? Like, yeah, where that's my using this.
1: It's it's like it's it's working on your data mid-flight. You know, so when when before it gets to the database, before it gets to your analytic system, maybe I need to do something, and there, and that fits into a different profile of there's this real time component to data, and I need to do this now with this piece of data. For instance, um, I need to convert this temperature. I'm going to go back to my weather thing. Uh, I need to convert this temperature from Celsius to Fahrenheit, and then fork that into two two streams. So. It just a really simple manipulation of data like that, um, but it's critical because I don't want to store it in the database, then go run a, a spark job to manipulate the data again. You know, it's just this really heavy infrastructure that I just need to make a change real quick. And, you know, it's, it's, it's those kind of point in time as the data is moving it, that real-time data has this real-time uh, need for manipulation. And that's where, these Pulsar functions come in really well. Um, at a higher scale, you know, there's also the Apache Flink project, which I'm also very interested in. <laughs> Stay tuned.
0: Yeah, I actually <laughs> I actually used to work for the company here in Berlin that uh, worked on that.
1: <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Many moons ago. Yeah, <laughs> the P- the pink squirrel company. Um, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, Flink is a good example of doing that at scale. And, um, and Pulsar and Flink do... <laughs> they wind up in a lot of conversations as well. But in the case of Pulsar um, or Pulsar functions, it's, you know, this is, it's, again, it's eliminating the need for heavier lifting down the road. And I'm sure you've heard that in Flink as well. <laughs> yeah.
0: Is it a little bit like, forgive, maybe this is a stupid question, I don't know, but it almost feels a little bit like um, it's a smarter and different sort of uh, map reduce type affair where you can kind of aggregate the data before storing it so you get something that is more relevant to store than the raw data itself
1: yeah and that's no that's that's a perfect it's a spot-on thing because it the map was a there was a project called storm many years ago 10 years ago that that was quite interesting for a lot of folks and it came from twitter again um but it was it was they actually called it MapReduce in the stream, and it really I mean it it was like you said it was like doing a MapReduce before you had to put it into a file and then run MapReduce on it. Um, Flink or I'm sorry, um, the Pulsar functions aren't quite like they aren't doing a map and they aren't doing a reduce, but it's the same methodology. It's the same kind or I'm sorry, the same outcome that you're looking for is is this dealing with data immediately but doing it in that kind of in that way it's like where you're you're trying to map some sort of functionality against the data i i actually
0: can i ask it this might be a controversial question it's something that always sort of is in the back of my mind with apache projects a bit um where was i when i was on the functions page as well there's a lot of discussion here around integrating with other apache projects which are all open source and etc etc but i always kind of wonder that does does the does the apache family of projects sometimes become a little bit like its own open source ecosystem or is it just what they promote and you know i could use I'm struggling actually to think of alternatives, but you know. yeah, yeah, like why, why aren't you seeing it's just easier?
1: Why, what, I, I get what you're saying. Like, is it, is there yeah. some sort of conspiracy? <laughs> no, well, no, no, there is not. Quite what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, well, everyone knows the Illuminati controls ASF, and so, no, it, well, there's been some a little
0: bit of discussion around ASF, but not quite the Illuminati. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it,
1: it's not, it's, I think what. There's a couple of, of answers that I have that will hopefully make sense to you. Is that the ASF has been home for large-scale data infrastructure projects for a long time. So just by confirmation bias, when you're looking for large-scale data projects, they're going to be there. <laughs> right. um, but uh, that being said, if you look at, I mean, ecosystem is important. There's there is probably, and this is actually another thing that happens quite a bit is. Um, people are sometimes committers on both projects or two projects at the same time or three projects at the same time. Um, There's a a guy I work with who's, he's a committer. He's on the project management committee for Cassandra and Apache Arrow. And I think a couple of others. Um, it's, it's It's not weird to think that someone who's really passionate and interested and good at data infrastructure would be. So that's, I think that's part of the reason. The other reason is, well, the other thing you probably start seeing now is a CNCF projects. The, you know, the ones that are for cloud native are starting to emerge. There's not a lot of data products inside a CNCF, but they're starting to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's actually a good point. I was also at the Open Infra Summit here in Berlin, mm. and I was kind of trying to separate all these different, these three main like buckets mm-hmm. in this modern infrastructure world and i think CNCF was kind of lots of little bits open infra was sort of for the operators the 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 people who run hosting mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. and then apache is the the data so they all overlap a little and they complement each other but they, they do it initially seems like they're a, duplicating each other a little bit but then you start to see these these divisions and, and there's obviously other foundations as well but that's <laughs>
1: well the big one and this is for your listeners is to watch for and here here's a scoop for you: is paying attention to the linux foundations data in ai there's a lot happening there um
0: yeah and a lot we've actually uh there's a few topics around other things linux foundation are doing i've been covering and i did an interview yesterday around another one but that hasn't <laughs> Stay tuned. May not have been released. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so, just I always like to end with sort of what's coming up next. I could see that in almost exactly uh, a month of rec- from recording, there is the Pulsar Summit in San Francisco on August eighteenth. Um, but I'd be interested in knowing what else, as far as you know. It's an open source project, obviously, is kind of on the roadmap for Pulsar. And then let's also ask what's, what's happening with data stacks, what's on data stacks roadmap for the next sort of six months or so as well.
1: Yeah. For, I mean, the, the big thing the Pulsar summit is coming, uh, it's, I think that's if, every time I look at it, it just grows. It's, it seems to be growing faster than any other, any other uh, conference around right now for infrastructure. It's just, it's gaining ahead of steam. It's really exciting. Um, also, there's the ApacheCon uh, Apache this year in uh, October, and there's a full track for Pulsar, which is, again, an interesting... There's not a lot of full tracks for any one singular ASF project unless they have enough uh, enough people that will do it, and they do have that. Um, typically, the ASF projects that have had a single track are like Tomcat, <laughs> Apache Tomcat. Um, and httpd and and cassandra has always had or uh, it's had a track now pulsar has a track so these are all places if you want to learn more about it and interact with the community those are great places to go um what's happening with pulsar right now um it, you know it's i'm on the mailing list and all i can say is things are happening so fast <laughs> It's there's just a lot going on around especially around transactions um reliable schema uh integrations are really key um, because it is a system that that manages data going from point A to point B, you want to make sure you have a lot of point Bs. <laughs> and you mentioned the in, in ecosystem integration. Th- those are just growing like crazy right now. So just, I think this is going to be a really exciting part of the project. Um, as for data stacks, uh, we just we just announced our GA for, for Aster Streaming. So I hope people go to use that. Um, what's next for us is um, stay tuned for more integrations and how we can make this work better. Um, our, our goal isn't around running infrastructure. Our goal is to enable developers. So we're building better APIs. That's what we're trying to build, a better experience for developers to move faster. So um, you'll continue to see that. So these technologies may eventually, we just don't talk about the technologies anymore. We just talk about what people are doing with them. And that, that would be great. But um, that's what we're working on right now.
0: I hope you enjoyed the show. Find out more about me at chrischinchilla.com where you can find show notes, sign up for my newsletter and find all of my writing, games, work and video links. There's also details on how to get in touch with me. And if you want to get even closer to what I do, Join my Discord server for behind the scenes discussions and helping me produce my shows and work.